This podcast episode is brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network, where you get your healthcare insights from the most inspiring healthcare podcasters. Welcome to the Sancial Podcast, where we host interviews with the most transformational nurse scientists, innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders. Through sharing their personal journeys, we create inspiration, provide guidance, and give you actionable ideas you can use to be a catalyst for change. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Sancial Podcast. I am so excited to introduce to you Joshua Littlejohn. Wait to hear his story and his journey. Welcome, Joshua. Could you, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Hiam. Uh, yeah, so I'm Joshua. I am a second career nurse that has gone on to actually have another career even after nursing. So in 2010, I, I took the leap, did an accelerated program, became a nurse as a, like I said, a second career nurse. And then from there, my story has sort of gone a, a little bit along the standard routes, you know, nursing at the bedside for a while. Then I wanted to do some masters, did that, and then um, sort of pivoted into tech, which is where I currently find myself. So I am a product manager, uh, specifically for the nurse or the clinician experience at a company called IntelliCare. I'm happy to tell you more about that a, a, a little bit later, but essentially in a nutshell, I am a nurse who has pivoted into technology and now helps build the tools that others use. So I, yes, I want to follow up more on that. But first, you said something very interesting. So this was nursing was a second career. So what did you do prior to, to nursing? And then what really drove you to want to be a nurse? Ah, I think I think that the the more people that I talk to from Sanciel in particular, the more this story sort of resonates with um, with them. And it's because I say I'm a second career nurse, but really it's like a second or third career. So <laughs> follow, <laughs> follow me here for a minute. So the first undergrad degree was in molecular microbiology. And then I turned around, moved to London for two and a half years and did media. I, I made television, clearly nothing to do with molecular microbiology. So after London and, and making television for two and a half years, I moved back to the States went back to labs and uh, worked in a couple chemical slash scientific laboratories for a while. And then at that point, um, I had a coworker who did the same accelerated program that I had done, and she recommended it to me. And given my, I'm, I'm going to say familial history, so it has nothing to do with professional sort of context, but I was the oldest of a cohort of children that was essentially the stand-in parent, for lack of a better term. So, you know, again, this resonates, this this piece of the story resonates, I, I feel, with a lot of other people that I've talked to that have become nurses. From an early age, they were caregivers themselves and have sort of carried on that in a professional context. So it was, it actually was a really natural move for me to move into nursing and consider caring for other people. Really interesting. You're throwing out a lot at me and I want to know more. But with your initial background, do you feel that it's helped you as a nurse? Oh, definitely. So the molecular microbiology bit, um, you know, when we start talking about disease states and 
the the human sort of condition as as far as the the, the anatomy and pathology goes, that sort of piece to it, that was definitely helpful in a nursing context, but also the um the methodologies, I suppose, that you know, the, the scientific method, how that really looks very similar to the nursing process and how the nursing process looks similar to other um, processes in other pieces of disparate industries, you know? Yeah, interesting. You know, I've met many, many nurses who who had a prior career, and I just think I just think they always it, it just enriches it enriches their uh, or our experience when we're exposed to them. For example, you know, when a nurse has had a business background, they come at it from a different angle, which I always find really interesting and intriguing. But so tell me a little bit. So, you know, you tell me you're a caregiver and that's sort of why you think it was a natural evolution into nursing. But what else inspires you in your work in healthcare? I, I would say that I, it's essentially impact. Uh, again, if you ask uh, nurses or police officers or firefighters, anybody in, in that sort of realm, why do you do what you do? The most generic response I, I've gotten is, oh, because I want to help people. Or, you know, at some point in my life, I really wanted to help people. And I've continued on with that throughout my life. And I would have to say the same thing, only because I've had exposure to so many other areas and careers and pieces of life, I've always wanted to do more than just take care of one patient and one family at a time in a hospital context, right? Mm-hmm. So impact is the the sort of thing that connects all of my my dots, right? So you switch over to nursing, you're taking care of one patient, one family at a time in an acute care setting. I went on to do an MSN and an MPH. So that's a master's of science in nursing and a master specifically healthcare leadership, and then uh, a master's of public health, right? And the, the goal there was to take care of populations of people. And then through that process, I actually, again, discovered tech and thought, well, what better way to have an, a larger impact on a population, excuse me, than literally structuring the tools and the systems by which we care for those populations. So that sort of is the natural progression to tech and making making and building things that allow us to better care for patients, for populations, or to even drive the business of healthcare, right? Yeah, I, I really love that. And I love the way you spun that as a, you know, the impact that you have versus an individual and then populations and now systems. What I believe is that nurses, when you're in different positions, like, you know, similar to yours, there are, what you produce is much more impactful when we talk about impact. And, and do you agree with that statement? And, and, Tell me why, you know, you you because you've been at the bedside and can utilize all that experience now I mean, to employ. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Uh, I would say that, yes, I, I do agree. I think that that I would place some caveats or not necessarily limitations. It's not really a limitation. It's more of a know when and where you are, you and your background are definite value add versus where it's just like a nice to have. So 
where is a nurse plus something else and the something else can vary, right? So as you mentioned, is it a business context? Is it technology? Whatever that something else is, but in what context does the, the equation nurse plus something else equal a value add rather than, oh yeah, you're a nurse, that's a nice to have sort of mm -hmm. thing. And the reason I say that is because when I, you know, I, I, I've had several positions at several different institutions, organizations, and what I always look for is an understanding from a hiring manager or a executive leadership that they understand the value that that nurse plus something else brings to the table. And I think the value in that is that you can hire all the MBA grads that you want that have a business background and you can have a successful business to a certain extent. But if you are constantly making decisions based on the bottom line, and that's the only thing you take into account, then I, I feel that's an I statement, right? I feel that you are leaving something on the table and that is um, the moral ethical side of business, right? And that's right. particularly important in healthcare. And, you know, who, who better, what better part of healthcare than a nurse, the heart of healthcare to have at the table than, than us, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I so agree. And I think that's one of the mission for Sanciel is, you know, not to just empower, but allow nurses to recognize that and not not just ask, but really get yourself to that table, because truly we bring different different perspectives to the table and it would only benefit not just the patient and their families, but the system. So. That, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I, I love the way you've really your perspective on that. So just to switch a little bit. So currently in your job at IntelliCare, and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about IntelliCare and, and what your role is. I know you talk about technology, but is it under the guise of informatics? Because I think that's also that position or that title is also variable from from system to system. Yeah. So there's a lot in there. I'm going to unpack it. Yes, if I, unpack it. <laughs> if I miss anything, please circle back. Uh, so what is IntelliCare? We'll start with that. So IntelliCare is a marketplace platform similar to Uber or Lyft. Those are probably the most easily accessible metaphors, right? So you have supply on one side, you have demand on the other. And in our case, it is nurses on one side who want to work per diem shifts specifically in long-term acute care in, in some setting, some version of long-term acute care, right? And then we, on the other side, we have demand, which is facilities that have holes in their schedule that need filling with per diem nurses. And so our platform enables individual nurses to go onto the platform and select which facilities and which schedules, which shifts on which days and et cetera, et cetera, that they want to work. So you can imagine that Whereas if you were tied to a facility and you were a full-time employee, you may or may not get the privilege of making your own schedule. Your manager may balance your schedule and tell you you have to work X number of weekends per month or X number of holidays per year or et cetera, et cetera. Our platform does away with all of that and allows the nurse to say, I don't want to work any weekends. I don't want to work any overnights. I don't want to work any holidays or conversely, I want to do all of those things and get mm -hmm. all of the shift diffs that are associated with them. So that is the company in a nutshell. And what I do 
is I specifically focus on the clinician experience. So if it has to do, excuse me, if it has to do with any of the, we call them IPs, right? Intellipros, if it has anything to do with an IEP, all the way from the application to looking for shifts, picking up shifts, working the shifts, even, even the tools that our clinical quality folks use, then product has a hand in building those tools or outlining those workflows and structuring how different people, different stakeholders interact with the product from different perspectives. So product has, for instance, involvement in building the facility tools, in the the clinician tools, in the back office tools, et cetera, et cetera. Is that? Yes, uh, that's very interesting. Really technology. And would you say that what you're doing and then how we label or the titles of nurse informaticists is oh yes or the same uh, ah i gotcha so <laughs> a, cl- cl- a clinical informaticist or a nurse informaticist may be something that nursing folks are familiar with it's a branch of nursing it's up and i'm saying up and coming that's probably a few years ago it's probably i know that there are well-known well-established nursing informatics programs out there these days but it so, uh, and I was a clinical informaticist at one point in my life, and it does look very similar to product management in that you have the technology on one side, you have business stakeholders on the other, and you have some sort of developer or analyst on uh, in another corner. And you're trying to align the business needs and, and identify what the business problems are and solve those problems or optimize the technology to solve those business problems in some sort of way, right? That sounds very similar to product management, which is what I currently do. I think the added piece is that product is a very industry specific thing, right? So mm-hmm. I not I don't not only specify the requirements that the developers build and whatnot, but I also work with the education team, the clinical quality team, the operations team, product marketing. I do a lot with marketing, right? And I think that clinical informaticists or nurse informaticist roles are often limiting because of the context in which they're found, which is a large healthcare system usually, right? Right. It's just a matter of scale and different contexts, right? They're they're like cousins, I feel, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like they're cousins of the same thing, but one has a, definitely has a more, I'm going to say academic, but maybe that's not the right term, health, like a health systems focus. And the other is industry focused startups, big, you know, like it, it has some, some other non very clinically oriented, very healthcare systems focused role. Got it. Yeah. That's that. Thank you. That's a little more clear to me because I was getting confused with, with what you're doing currently versus a nurse informaticist and stuff. So just to switch again, Joshua, do you feel like you're an innovator? And if that's the case, when did you recognize you were one? Yeah, I would definitely say that I have an innovator's, a mind for innovation. Have I gone out and started my own company or have I, you know, led any huge thing in that in that nature? No, um, that's because I would usually describe myself as a great co-pilot, co-founder, second high, like second tier high. I don't know. I don't know what you would say, but I'm the 
the wingman to the person who wants to take charge sort of thing. That's generally the way that I describe myself. But those people themselves also need to be innovators, right? That's right. (laughs) You have to have a certain tolerance for risk to put yourself out there to be like, yeah, I want to do X, Y, or Z or and I think the the reason why I, I position myself like that is because I really like to collaborate with others, right? So innovation for me is all about collaboration versus I want to have everything my way. This is what we're doing. I've made all of the decisions. I need somebody to execute on my plan, right? Which is more like I need minions rather than I need collaborators. Right. Sort of thing. I, I think that's always been there. Uh, again, if you look at look at my LinkedIn page, it you know it's like sort of I, I right now I must say I've cleaned up my LinkedIn page a lot. You have to give me credit. I've cleaned it up a lot so that there is a, a pretty standard narrative there. But as this podcast you know sort of has alluded to, there's a lot that is that doesn't show up there that is in my background, and I have changed things a lot. And I I think that's because I'm constantly searching for some way to add value to the thing that I'm doing right now, right? Right. And and an innovator really is consistently changing and pivoting. I think that's one of the criteria, right? Yeah. Or the characteristics of that. So that's what it sounds like you're doing. And, and as an innovator, we always are up against challenges. You know, lots of times my boss would say to me, you know, he am, you don't just see through the forest, you say even beyond that, and you need to let people catch up to you. So I think when you're visionary and you can just see where you need to go, sometimes people don't believe you or take you seriously. Can you speak to that? Have you noticed that? Have you felt that yourself? Yeah, uh, I would say that I I definitely have felt that. Uh, I've been given much the same feedback in other forums around the, you know, you see not, you know, not just the forest, but you see past that sort of thing. And, and what's your vision and how do you bring people along sort of, I've been given the same feedback. I think that part of it, even getting to this point, even talking to you and being where I am right now has been a long journey of self-work and sometimes, you know, both personal and professional. So I think one of the biggest challenges that I've actually faced is similar to, again, similar to you is really getting people to take me seriously. I'm going to say this and it's a sort of a moment of vulnerability. So I'm just going to put it out there, right? Uh, Please do. I I feel that, you know, along this journey, uh, there's been a lot of people that have, we all have implicit biases, right? Right. um, You may or may not have sat through many uh, DEI uh, training on implicit biases, but those work out and affect people's trajectory in different ways. So I've, feel like I've been perceived as too short, too effeminate, too gay, too awkward, too shy. Um, and a two insert, you know, there's, there's several other words that I could put in there. The list goes on, but it's that I don't fit in with what is expected to be standard business bro sort of thing. Right. Right. Um, so in the nursing world where, and that's one of the things that drew me to nursing, right. Is that I was able to be caring and bring that part of me to my professional identity, right? So holding somebody's hand and, you know, I have so many images that are burnt into my mind of me caring for a complete and utter stranger whose name I cannot remember, but the actual act of, you know, washing someone's feet or helping someone to the bathroom or 
having a really heart to heart conversation with a family member about, you know, the prognosis of, of, of the, the family member, or, you know, that sort of stuff, because they had questions that weren't really for the doctor. They really were more like person to person. Can we talk about something? Right. All of that is the moral, ethical heart of healthcare. That is the strength of nursing that is not really found in a lot of business contexts. And so that has really been a big challenge in that, how do I translate all of that vulnerable thing, that vulnerable piece of life that I really find value in, into a business context? I was actually just having lunch with a coworker and we were talking, we were lamenting over this very fact that in a business context, there's this feeling that you, there's a steep learning curve, one, and the learning curve has to do with hiding those authentic pieces of your life and thinking strategically or politically in a in a business context. Mm-hmm. So in making the transition from bedside nursing into business, uh, I feel like nurses are like, they keep it real, right? Um, right, exactly. Right? Nurses keep it real. You're at the bedside. I mean, we are literally at, at some of the, the most vulnerable points in people's lives. And that's why we have the conversations that we have and why we have them in the manner that we have them. But when you go into business, it's like, oh, you can't say that. Oh, oh, you really, you, you can't say that to that person, you know, or people are just, people are just like, oh, you're too real sort of thing, right? And it's like, well, okay, well, at what point do you want the nurse? And at what point do you want something else? I'm trying to tell you, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll give you an idea of, of, of X, Y, or Z. But again, it's a balancing act and learning, you know, learning the, the boundaries of that learning curve, right? There's sometimes a challenge. It's, it is absolutely. And you said something very interesting. And I hear this constantly is, finding where you fit in. Um, and I think through Sanciel, we hear that all the time. And it, and people that are joining Sanciel are saying the same thing. Hey, I, I finally found my tribe. Do you feel that Sanciel has helped you in your journey? Sanciel has definitely helped me. I mean, I had a healthy network before Sanciel, but I think that Sanciel has particularly helped me connect with other people with like mindsets that are nurses specifically or nurse adjacent. It's the people, it's the resources, it's the connections, it's the other forums. You know, for instance, I, you know, literally as I sit here talking to you, right, would I, the question is, would I have had this opportunity had I not joined Sanciel or, or, you know, said yes to some of the other opportunities that we've worked on together, right? Right, right. Yeah, I, I I felt the same way because you do feel you you know you're different, right? You think differently, you see things differently. For me, the the Sanciel has has meant the same things. So I'm I'm very excited about innovation. I'm very excited about nursing and science. What are you most excited about those three? I think as we look to the future, I'm really excited about the prospect of big data, but I'm also a little terrified of it. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. um, so big data and specifically data mining for insights. And I, I, I guess, so one of the startups that I was previously with Envoy at home, we, uh, for instance, this is an application of this. It's not, it's not big data, but it is data nonetheless. And it's lots of data. 
we were a uh, remote monitoring platform. We are. Amboya Home still exists. And essentially, we monitor the space instead of the person. So instead of putting a wearable on somebody and tracking them 24 hours a day, we would monitor the space and then via algorithms drive data insights, behavioral insights, if you will, off of those patterns of activity within a home. So, you know, elderly gentleman uses the restroom once or twice a night. It, and then over the course of three weeks, we see that ratchet up to four to five times a night. We don't know what's going on, but we know that something's going on and there should be a communication to the caregiver to schedule an appointment with the doctor. So that's on a very small scale, right? Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of individual data coming off of a one platform, 24, continuously 24 hours a day, seven days a week to drive all of those insights. What happens to when we take that and we multiply it by millions or billions of data points or even far more trillions of data points across a population, across time, And what are the kinds of insights, behavioral or not, that we can drive from that? And I I just, I feel like it's a double-edged sword and we're just now beginning to crack that open, right? Crack that box open. But it's interesting. So why do we, let's take Amazon or or, um, Netflix. I love it when they suggest things to me. So, and they're studying our behavior and stuff. Why do you feel that's different? Or is yeah. it different? Oh, it's very different. It's very different. So <laughs> tell know, us about my, that. My behavior as a consumer, uh, I, you know, I'm more willing to put out there because the value proposition is that I get better, more tailored recommendations for whatever colored sneakers I'm looking for on a Wednesday afternoon sort of thing, right? I'm totally down with that. That's fine. But when it comes to my healthcare data, so let me liken this back to something that is uh, physical in nature and not sort of more ephemeral like data, right? So when you go into a hospital and you have some sort of elective procedure, maybe it's not even elective procedure, but they, you know, cut your toe off or something or other, or, you know, all of that is considered medical waste and they are free to do with it whatever they want. And all of that material could be used for scientific purposes to because at that point it's considered medical waste, right? Right. And you have no control over that. Well, what if, you know, somebody took your whatever, you know, your, your, I don't know, whatever, it's a placenta or something or other, and they went through and they made a new billion dollar drug, like multi-billion dollar drug out of it. You'd feel a little miffed if you found out that it was your cells that actually did that, right? Right. And, and in that that scenario, I'm actually thinking I have in my mind HeLa, the Henrietta Lacks cells that are that form the basis of many of the cancer discoveries that we made right in the the last century. Um, so HeLa cells and the Henrietta Lacks story is a perfect example of of people the the medical industry taking something from someone else, creating many 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 times more the value than the than it was originally, and not giving anything back really the people, the person or the people from which it came. And so what I look forward to is a time when we can we can have an exchange of data, but there's some sort of monetization or personal, the, the concept of personal IP or some sort of ownership over that data so that people who are generating the data on which discoveries are made and behavioral insights are driven can actually be remunerated and rewarded for their contribution to to new discoveries, right? That's the hope and the dream anyway. 
Joshua, I love that. We need to start working on it. There's your innovation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that is like brilliant. <laughs> so this has been really intriguing. What what would be one thing you want to leave the audience with today, Joshua? You have um, many, by the way, you have many, but let's, let's just do the one thing. I think that, you know, it's like 90% of, of life is just showing up. I forget who said that exactly, but it really is true. You know, the biggest piece of building something is saying yes to opportunities. So go to a meetup, join us on sale call, get on a mailing list, go to a hackathon, um, whatever, whatever it is, just get outside the nursing bubble, right? We as nurses are great at talking to other nurses and lamenting over X, Y, or Z that happens to us or with us or in healthcare, but we have to get outside of that and make those connections with other folks. So say yes. And remember that showing up is 90% of life, right? That's that's so true. That's how my career started. I said yes to every pilot that they wanted to do on my unit. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then eventually people start to see you as an early adopter, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get involved in more and more uh, projects. Um, yes, I totally agree and endorse that. Now, if our listeners wanted to reach out to you, Joshua, I know you mentioned that you're on LinkedIn. Is there any other contact information you would like to provide or LinkedIn is your choice? Uh, yeah, no, LinkedIn is probably the best. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's sad or good or great. I'm sure LinkedIn <laughs> is very happy about this, but LinkedIn is actually my biggest form of quote unquote social media. Um, so it's actually the best platform to reach me on. I'm happy to provide an email or other other connection points, but um, LinkedIn really is probably the best way to to get a hold of me. Perfect. I really want to thank you. This has been inspiring, informative, and I hope our audience feels the same way, which I'm sure they will. And thanks again, Joshua. Thanks for tuning in to the Sancial podcast. If today's podcast inspired you, we invite you to join our tribe or support our mission by visiting us at sancial.org. That's S-O-N-S-I-E-L dot org. This episode was brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and let us know what you're looking for.